good to see some of the seafarers back at the house this morning. Fishermen. It does come with a little bit of concern for me, which I saw this morning on my car. It wasn't quite frozen, but it looks like frost, you know? Not, not ready for that. You guys remember when we had church at the church office not so long ago? Drive into the parking lot and you park in front of the building. You see one door in the middle and then there's doors off to the side. Some of you may be familiar that there is a pathway on the right side of the building. It's a little narrow gravel strip and there's a white door at the end of that. You notice there are a number of windows in between the front of the building and the white door. Each one of those windows is a pastor's or leader's office. So you start with Christie's office, then it's Drew's, then it's Chris's, then Joey's, and then my office. And my office is the only one that has the desk facing the window. So as you walk down this path, usually stare at me before you go in the door. And if you're walking down this path, chances are you are going for something important. You're going to do something, which is to see a professional counselor, which is the last window. And so you might be thinking to yourself as you walk down this path, man, I hope none of the pastors are sitting in the window as I walk by, right? Because the feeling might be, I, they might think I'm a fool for walking down this path, you know? Can I tell you, everyone in this room, that that is not at all what is happening inside the offices as shadows and footsteps go by. We say, yes, someone's going to see Dory. There's a little more freedom than that person's going to experience today. The only reason I know that is I have taken that path and I have felt the emotions of, please, nobody see me walk down this path. Can I tell you that you are not the fool in that scenario. The fool is the one who says to themselves, I don't need to walk down that path, right? I don't need help. So maybe it's time to rethink which one you're going to do if you're going to go down that path. But here's the, here's the catch to that. At the end of your life, everyone in this room is going to qualify as being a fool. Scripture actually lays out that there are three types of fools in the world. And so for me to say that we are all going to be fools, I actually need some to explain that to you, right? That's, that's a statement that not many people might want to make, right? So here's what's going to happen. We're going to traverse through the story of 2 Samuel 13 through 18, and I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach. I'm going to tell you a little bit of the story, and then I'm going to stop and I'm going to introduce to you a set of fools. And then I'm going to continue, introduce a new set of fools after I tell you some story. 
and repeat the process. And I'm going to introduce to you three sets of fools today. And what you're going to try and do today is to determine which set of fools you belong to. Not to look to your right or your left, where your spouse may be sitting and say, this is where you qualify. This is for you to determine, right? So, if you guys remember David and Bathsheba, right? It's a pretty gnarly story. In the middle of that, 2 Samuel chapter 12, God lays out some consequences for David. And the consequences go like this, verse 10 through 12. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will rise up evil against you out of your own house and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son for you did it secretly, but I will do this before all Israel and before the sun. David's got it coming, right? So chapter 12 ends, chapter 13 begins, and you are introduced to one of David's sons. And the text says, this is David's son, Amnon, David's son. It repeats itself because Amnon is about to follow in the footsteps of his father, and so Amnon notices his sister by chance. Amnon's sister, Tamar. And Tamar is a very beautiful woman. It's eerily similar to the story of David and Bathsheba. Amnon has actually made himself terribly sick with how much he loves and wants Tamar. And so uh, he has a friend, Amnon has a friend named Jonadab. And Jonadab is described as crafty, just like the serpent from Genesis 2. Jonadab asks Amnon, what, what's the matter with you? Every day, morning after morning, you seem glum. What's, what's the deal with that? And he says, I really love this girl, but there's no way for me to, to do anything to her. It's actually what the text says. That's a weird way of saying that, you know? Why? So Jonadab, without even having a conversation, just goes into an idea. Hey, I've got an idea for you. How about you play sick, tell your dad that you're sick and that you want Tamar to come into your room and feed you cakes. Then you'll be able to do whatever you want. Amnon says, that's a great idea. And so he plays sick and the king comes and he says, what's wrong with you? Amnon says, can you, can you have my sister come and and min, uh, minister to me through feeding me cakes. And she comes and she cooks cakes for him and she empties out the pan, uh, but she's not quite close enough. And he says, no, 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 come, come back into my chambers with me. In fact, can everyone else leave the room? Can all my maids and servants just leave the room? Because you close the door behind you. Um, he lays down and she feeds him a cake and he grabs her. Says, will you lie with me, sister? She says, no, 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 please. Please don't do that, but he's stronger than her. He takes her. A few minutes later, Amnon is filled with hatred towards Tamar. He says, get out of my room. She says, this, is, this is actually worse than what you just did for you to kick me out like this. 
no, get out. She leaves. And this is the first set of fools is Amnon and Jonadab. Amnon and Jonadab are not concerned with what is right, what they should be doing, or even what is good. What they are primarily concerned with is the desire of their heart. Some of you have friends like Jonadab who tell you, whatever you want to make you happy, you should just keep on getting it and do, right? Proverbs 18, 1 and 2 says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only expresses his opinion. 2 Samuel 13, 12 through 13 says, this is Tamar responding to Amnon. She says, no, my brother, do not violate me for such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not do this outrageous thing. As for me, where could I carry my shame? And as for you, you would be as one of the outrageous fools in Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold you from me. And he does whatever he wants anyway. Did you catch it? She calls him an outrageous fool. You're, this is so foolish. It's on a level that doesn't compare with what normal people are doing. You remember back to God speaking to David afterwards is the same words that she's telling him now. If you just ask the king, he'll give you what you want. He'll give you more. If it's not enough, he'll give you more. Amnon and Jonadab don't care about what's right. It's about the desires of their hearts. I told you before that I had a mentor who was homeless and he would introduce me to other people. We would actually go out to soup kitchens and um, he would minister to them. And I met this guy named Jimmy. Jimmy was a character. He was kind of fun to be around and he was also really, man, what's going on with your life? You know, he was, he was a teenager. He was also a runaway and he also had a mental disability. And as much as I wanted to help Jimmy, Jimmy didn't want my help. He didn't want to hear anything that I had to say. He didn't want to take my advice. So I welcomed him into my home. I have a couch that you can sleep on. You don't have to sleep on park benches, man. But here's some rules that I need you to abide by. I need you to take a shower. It's a pretty common level thing, right? But he refused. Man, I, this is too much, you know? And then he would run away and he'd get into a bad situation and then he'd come back and the cycle would repeat itself again. I want to help, but here's some ground rules. If you're going to be here with me, this is the baseline that I need you to operate on. But he didn't want to hear that, right? And so he continued down this path of 
more and more destruction. He got into a group of guys that uh, were committing check fraud and he went into a grocery store with a fraudulent trick and then he ended up in jail. And then a little while later, I heard that he was selling himself and it just kept getting worse. But he didn't want to take my help. Ecclesiastes 10.3 says, even when a fool walks along the way, he lacks wisdom, and he shows everyone that he is a fool. The New Living Translation says, as, as you see a person and as they walk down the road, you can tell that they're a fool. Like it, it's in broad daylight. This is an outrageous fool, right? Everyone sees all the mistakes you're making. They're plain as day, but you seem to miss the boat. How do we avoid being this type of fool? It's two ways. First is in Proverbs 15. It says, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. You become a person that is willing to sit and listen and hear others speak into your life and not just reject it because it may not line up with what you want or desire. The second way is a little bit harsher. The second way is that you can continue down that path and God will give you over to your desires. And hopefully those desires, once they produce death, will cause you to, to turn and say, man, I, I actually need help, right? So that's the first set of fools. Fools that want to pursue what they want to pursue at all costs. So Tamar is kicked out of Amnon's room and she makes a beeline for Absalom's house. She gets there and Absalom says, has Amnon your brother been with you? Now hold your peace, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this to heart. So Tamar lived a desolate woman in her brother's house. But Absalom spoke to Amnon, neither good nor bad, for Absalom hated Amnon because he violated his sister. So Absalom is full of hatred. David also hears the news and is full of anger towards his son, but he refuses to engage. He doesn't engage either of them. And after two long years, Absalom devises a plan. He says, I'm, you know what, I'm going I'm to throw a party and I'm going to invite my whole family. And so he goes to the king and he says, hey, I got some sheep shears and we're going to go celebrate. I want all the family to come, all the sons, all the, all the children, you come with me and, and we're going to celebrate. And David says, no, nah, we're just going to be burdensome to you. You go have fun. Don't worry about it. And Absalom says, well, let me just bring the sons. They can, they can come with me. And David says, no, 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 we don't, we don't need to do that. But Absalom persists, and David finally says, sure, go ahead. Second Samuel 13, 28 says that, then Absalom commanded his servants, mark when Amnon's heart is merry with wine. And when I say to you, strike Amnon, then kill him. Do not fear. Have I not commanded you? Be courageous and be valiant. So they kill him. And this party, all of us, 
all of a sudden becomes an exodus. Everyone's fleeing for their lives. And word gets back to David that all of his sons have been murdered by Absalom. And trusty Joab is there, or Jonadab, the crafty guy from Amnon's story. He says, no, 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 King David, take heart. It's, it's fine. It's not all of your sons. It's just Amnon. This was actually planned since the day that he violated her. So Absalom flees. He runs away because he's killed his brother. And there are consequences for that. And so he's an outcast for three years. And David goes through this process of mourning Amnon. He goes through that. And then he longs for his son, Absalom. Because David knows what it's like to be an outcast, right? To be a refugee in his own country where he can't enter into his own city because of Saul. And so David finally is moved by a conversation with a widow to bring back his son into the city after three long years. But David doesn't allow him to come into his house. You can come this far, but I don't actually want to see you. You're free to be in the city. No one's going to harm you. Another two years passes. Absalom's in the city, but he hasn't seen his dad. And so he actually calls out to Joab, the king's commander, and says, hey, can I have your ear? But Joab refuses. And so Absalom sets fire to his field. (laughs) It's one way to get someone's attention, right? Set fire to your property. Now you have to listen to me. So Joab comes to Absalom and says, what do you want? I'd like to see the king. So uh, Absalom and King David meet and they kiss and make up. It's actually in the story. But something's still wrong for Absalom. Absalom goes out to the city gates and he gathers to himself chariots and men, about 50 men and horses. And he sits at the gates for four years. And as people walk by into Jerusalem, he grabs their ear and he says, hey, my name's Absalom. What's your problem? If I were the king, this is what I would do. I would sit and judge over you and I would bring restoration to your situation. And he gathers support for himself slowly over time. And then he asked David if he can return to Hebron. And he tells this gathering of people, when I get to Hebron and you hear the trumpets blow, I want you to proclaim to the whole city that Absalom is king over Israel. So he does exactly that. And there's this uproar in the city. And people start to choose sides. including one of David's main advisors, Ahithophel. And the reason that that is so important is because of this, 2 Samuel 16, 23. Now in those days, the council, 
that Ahithophel gave was as if one consulted the word of God. So was all the counsel of Ahithophel esteemed by both David and by Absalom. So if you talk to this guy and he gave you advice, it was as if God spoke to you. David's starting to get the message. I got to get out of here. I have to get out of here to save not only my life, but the people who are following me. And so as David evacuates the city, he hears that Ahithophel is gone, and he says to one of his advisors, Hushai, he says, I, I actually need you to go into Absalom's camp and spy for me. Can you go in there and defeat the council of Ahithophel? So as David is fleeing, Absalom tries to concoct a plan. And the plan includes hearing from his advisors, especially Ahithophel. And Ahithophel comes along with a plan and he says, chapter 17, verse 1, he says, Ahithophel said to Absalom, let me choose 12,000 men and I will arise and pursue David tonight. I will come upon him while he is weary and discouraged and throw him into a panic and all the people who are with him will flee. I will strike down only the king. And the advice seemed right in the eyes of Absalom and all the elders of Israel. But for some reason, I think it's pride. Absalom says, uh, I'm going to hear what Hushai has to say. And Hushai, being on the king's side, King David's side, says, you shouldn't go quite yet. Uh, because your David is a mighty, your King David is a mighty man of war, and he's like a bear robbed of his cubs, and we know what that looks like, right? You don't pursue a bear robbed of their cubs. And so Absalom takes notice. He says, Hushai says to Absalom, why don't you go out and gather all of Israel, and when David has come to a city for rest, Go to that city and tear it down piece by piece, and you yourself take the life of King David. Hushai is playing on Absalom's pride. Did you notice the difference between the two plans? Ahithophel says, I'll go kill him. And then Hushai says, why don't you take the glory and go kill him? Get the people to come around you, and then you go do it. Chapter 17, verse 14, And Absalom and all the men of Israel said, The counsel of Hushai the archite is better than the counsel of Ahithophel, for the Lord had ordained to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel, so that the Lord might bring harm upon Absalom. Wait, is that the Lord would bring harm? Ahithophel hears that his advice is not taken, and he goes home and kills himself. So let me introduce you to the next set of fools. Absalom and Ahithophel. These are the type of fools that trust in themselves. 
that are going to make a way for themselves. See, the world looks on these guys and they say, look at how great they're doing. But the truth is that in the end, they become fools just like the first set. The world looks at them with esteem and says, whatever they do prospers. But in the end, they become fools for one reason, because they didn't consider God. The wisest, most well-respected man is nothing without God. In fact, you're likely to become his enemy through your own pride. Jesus says it like this as he tells a parable in Luke chapter 12. He says, verse 16, and he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentiful and he thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Goes against the American dream a little bit, doesn't it? Absalom and Ahithophel have positions. They have power. They've gathered up respect for themselves. But they also have become their own gods. They have no need for him. They have no dependence upon him, upon their creator. And so how do we prevent ourselves from becoming these types of fools? Proverbs 19 21 through 23 says, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. What is desired in a man's heart is steadfast love and a poor man is better than a liar. The fear of the Lord leads to life and whoever has it rests satisfied. So may I ask you, you satisfied? You content with your position before the Lord? Fearful of Him? Considering Him in all of your ways, in all aspects of your life? You have that kind of peace? Third set of fools. David and Ittai. So we back up the story a little bit. As Absalom declares his kinghood, David hears it and starts to flee. What kind of a king runs 
What kind of a king runs from his own son? As David is evacuating the city, he sees a foreigner, Ittai, the Gittite. He says, David says to him, why, why are you leaving? You just got here yesterday. You have no allegiances to any of us. You'll be fine. Don't become a wanderer like me. Stay in the city. Ittai's response, 2 Samuel 15, 21. As the Lord lives and as the Lord the king lives, wherever my Lord the king shall be, whether for death or for life, there also will be your servant. David says to himself, I could use a man like you on my side, especially in these moments. And he continues to evacuate the city and he sees some of his priests coming. Abathar came up and behold, Zadok came bearing the ark of the covenant of God and they set down the ark of God until the people had all passed out of the city. Then the king said to Zadok, carry the ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and let me see both it and its dwelling place. But if he says, I have no pleasure in you, behold, here I am. Let him do it. Let him do to me what seems good to him. And David continues on in the caravan away from the city. And a man named Shammai from the tribe of Benjamin Saul's descendants comes up and he begins to curse David. He says, this is what you get. You poured out the blood of Saul's kingdom and God is going to take everything from you now. And Abishai, Joab's brother, also a commander of the king, says, can I just go take this guy's head off? I'm tired of hearing him talk about you like this. David responds, what have I to do with you sons of Zeruiah? If he is cursing because the Lord has said to him, curse David, who then shall say, why have you done so? And David said to Abishai, to all his servants, behold, my own son seeks my life. How much more now, this Benjamin, Benjaminite, leave him alone and let him curse me. For the Lord has told him to. You hear David's heart as he's speaking about his situation? Both David and Ittai are committed to one thing above all else God. David has position just like Absalom tried to have. He has respect. He has power. But instead of utilizing that power to get what he wants, he opens his hand and says, God, whatever you want, do as you please. These, these men, David and Ittai, are fools for Christ, even though they have not heard his name. 
David flees and gives up his kingdom. David, David is a fool because he flees. To the world, he's a fool. David is a fool because he looks at the situation and sees God's hand in all things. Chris, you can come up. David is a fool because he entrusts himself to God fully. And David is a fool to the world because he does not insist on his own plan. This is not what he devised. David doesn't need his position so much as he needs God. And he understands that the way to God is not through taking his power and making it work, but by humbling himself before the creator and saying, whatever you want, I'll do. I'll pursue you. I'll leave it in your hands. See, David and Ittai have the same DNA that Noah had. The same DNA that Abraham possessed. The same DNA that Jacob had. And Moses and Caleb and Ruth. Remember Ruth's words? Naomi turns her away and says, go back to your people. My life is going to be an absolute terror. Look at what's happening to me. Ruth looks at Naomi and says, no, no, no. Your God will be my God. And your people will be my people. I'm in this all the way. Paul says it like this, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of the world is folly with God, for it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. It's not actually going to go anywhere. It's only going to lead to death if we count our wisdom more than his. Paul goes on in chapter 4. says, for I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels, and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake. I've given up everything that I possessed in order to have him. Everything else is on the table. All of my relationships, all of my possessions, if I have him, nothing else matters. You will not escape this world without looking like a fool. You will either be a fool on earth pursuing the things of heaven or you will be a fool later for pursuing the things of the earth I'll tell you a quick story in college I went to a lot of football games tailgating 
And if you know what tailgating means, you know the activities that went along with that. It's actually where I became very good at cornhole, which some of you have experienced. And the Lord got my attention and the desires for me to pursue those things became less and less. And yet I still long to be with my friends who were tailgating just a mile or so down the road. And so I would go and see them. And this particular time was a night game. And night games are a little more rowdy, you wanna say? But I had planned after this uh, tailgate to go have a Bible study with some friends from my church. And I was a little wary of telling my friends who were now pretty inebriated that I was gonna go to a Bible study. And they kept asking me, what what better thing do you have to do than this? And I thought, man, you don't have a clue, right? I don't really want to tell you, but they kept persisting. And so I finally told them. And they looked at me like I was a moron, you know? So we get into the Bible study, and all of a sudden I hear a knock at the door. A couple of them have brought a case of beer to this Bible study with people that I don't really know that well. And they come in and I'm like, oh, this is going to go really poorly. About 30 minutes later, both of them are crying their eyes out because my friends are ministering to them. They're probably also very emotional because of their state, right? But what they intended to do was come in and and disrupt this Bible study. And and we flipped it on its head and started saying, hey, we actually care about you. Follow him, no matter how much it costs you. worth it all as you respond this morning I would ask you to come to prayer to sing your guts out with Chris to take communion and meet with him and to give but make a commitment to follow him with everything you've got. Ending in there, you got me. Yeah. Well, guys, the worship team's gonna hang out for a while after the service. If the Lord's moving on your heart, I wanna encourage you guys, now's the time to take action. Also, uh, that was a great word, Matt. If you guys wanna go back and, and listen to that again, uh, the sermon will be up here in, in uh, probably by the end of tomorrow or Tuesday, so you can go back and listen to that in church center, and the, the passage and notes will be on there as well if you wanna go back and read that. Um, if you are here and you don't know where your next meal is coming from, you can come talk to me or any of the other staff. We would love to help you. We have something for you. And again, if you're new, I would love to meet you. I'm going to be over at the table for the next little while. So come by, say hi. Um, and for the rest of you, we don't officially end at 1230. So if you guys want to take a few, say hi to some people, help with tear down here, out there in the hallway. Um, love you guys. Have a great week. And we'll see you next Sunday.